Last time, I talked about out-of-range hummingbirds and quoted Scott Widensall, who noted that the out-of-range birds that appear in the east usually arrive here well after our ruby throats have disappeared for the season. That's one of those rules that is virtually always true, but has exceptions. For example, on August 11, 2007, I saw and photographed a Rufus or Allen's hummingbird at a feeder in northern Wisconsin. The homeowner noticed the little thing because it stood out by its aggressive behavior. Even by hummingbird standards, it was exceptionally bellicose in chasing everyone from the feeder, a notable characteristic of Rufus hummingbirds. They're even tinier than than ruby throats, but more pugnacious, sort of the chihuahuas of the bird world. On August 14th this year, Steve Patterson posted on Facebook's KAXE Season Watch a photo of a backlit hummingbird. He took it for a ruby throat, though he wondered a bit because the bird's throat was more speckled than most ruby throats. When I saw the photo, I immediately focused on the spread tail. The outer three feathers, like a ruby-throated female's, were tipped with white, with a darker section above that. The rest of the tail appeared quite orangey or rufous. Also, the bird's sides looked browner over a more extensive area than most ruby throats do. I was certain that it was a rufous or a very similar but even rarer possibility in Allen's. When I told Steve, he sent another photo he'd taken of the same bird. The sides didn't seem as rusty as I'd have expected, but my preconceived notion kept me from looking too carefully. Steve, who generously and frequently contributes his photos and insights to that KAXE forum, gave me permission to share his photos on my blog. As I studied them, I suddenly realized that my initial impression was wrong. The rufous color of the tail feathers was simply an artifact of that backlighting. When I started focusing on the central tail feathers, which lacked white tips as they should for all three possibilities, I suddenly realized that those central tail feathers in Rufus and Allen's are dark-tipped, which would have been clear in the photo despite the backlighting. The fact that the rufous color extended all the way to the tips of those central tail feathers made it clear that rufous was not the true feather color. The bird really was what Steve originally thought, a ruby throat. Oops, I was wrong. Again, during the peak of migration, just about every hummingbird we're going to see in the upper Midwest will be a ruby throat. Giving them more attention, just in case, is still warranted. And sharing our sightings of outliers is important. But when we post sightings of rarities on eBird, a valuable tool for researchers as well as list-keeping birders, we will always be asked for documentation, which virtually always requires clear photographs. With such active birds as hummingbirds, those photos can be essential for accurately identifying the birds in the first place. Had I taken the photo and submitted that to eBird as a Rufus Hummingbird, the reviewer or a researcher down the line would have noticed the problem with the central tail feathers and rejected the sighting.
We birders can't help but feel embarrassed, even mortified, when we make a mistake. Some birders at all levels think eBird's requests for documentation are personal attacks on their birding skills. But the whole point of identifying birds is to, well, identify them. Accuracy is essential in such a geeky hobby, isn't it? Misidentifying birds goes hand in hand with identifying them, especially when we're hoping for an occasional rarity. There's no shame in making a mistake. The birds truly do not care what species we think they are. But being incapable of admitting a mistake, well, that is a shame. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.